Welcome to The Machine, a podcast from Waterford Institute of Technology. My name is Rob O'Connor. I'm a lecturer in the Department of Computing and Mathematics at WIT. Uh, we normally talk about computer science, education and various topics that are around that. Today, we're going to talk about research. Uh, it's quite a high level topic, but we are going to get into a bit of low level detail. Uh, the TSSG has been a research group that's operated out of WIT since 1997. It's about to be rebranded and relaunched as Good the thanks, Walton Rob. Institute. And on the virtual or in the virtual studio with me today, we have the two co-directors of the Institute, uh, Sassy Tharan, uh, Bala Subramaniam and Kevin Doolan. Lads, you're very welcome along. How are you doing? I have to say, uh, I'm I'm very impressed by Kevin's backdrop for this call. Uh, he's really put the effort in. He's put up a fake fireplace. He's stacked the the shelves with loads of books. Uh, whereas Sassy, you have curtains. Me just to make the Lego. <laughs> oh yeah, and a pirate ship made out of Lego, uh, which which is maybe an interesting metaphor uh, for for the construction of bigger things from smaller objects, uh, which. Uh, maybe it's a crude analogy but uh, it's interesting when we talk about uh, what we're about to talk about which is the Walton Institute so in maybe I don't know Sassy maybe could you describe say what the TSSG currently is in a sentence or two it's basically a research centre that focuses largely on telecommunications and it, uh, te- telecommunication technologies combined with computing and internet technologies and applying it to various different types of applications, you know, whether it's in the transport, uh, future health, agriculture. Most recently, we've been focusing a lot on that. So that's that's a quick one, quick uh, summary of TSSG. Yeah, well, no, that, that makes sense. It's just to set the scene as to where you currently are. So you're, I know you've you a wide variety of 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 interest areas and areas you you operate from. But it is largely, or originally was, a telecommunications and networks focus, but it has broadened to be much more than that. And is this where the Walton Institute comes in? Why are you rebranding? So basically, if, if you look at ICT today, Rob, it, it is very different from, say, ICT 20 years ago. You know, you can define ICT commonly through infrastructure of, let's say, your telecommunications system, internet, mobile phone. But to now, nowadays, today, everything, literally all vertical, really relies a lot on ICT and computing systems, you know, and communication systems. And we're always redefining ICT as well. It's a very competitive area, right? So Walton is going to be a new inter-trans and multidisciplinary research institute that will take ICT deep into all the different various areas in order to actually make them more efficient to create new type of breakthrough technologies going forward into the future. Right. So it's a big transformation from the old TSSG, which was focusing on hardcore telecommunications management. And now we're looking at future technologies of ICT and how we can apply them to new other verticals. So Kevin, what's the significance of the Walton name? Well, the Walton name, well, we wanted to find a name, Rob, that, that was synonymous with the region. Um, and we had done a little bit of searching around to see if there any famous inventors and so on or scientists that came from the, the southeast. Uh, and then we found Ernest Walton. Um, and Ernest Walton actually comes from Dungarvan, and he's accredited with being one of the first people to split the atom. So actually, if you walk down the one of the main streets in Dungarvan and look on the ground, 
there's actually an atom carved into the ground in his memory. Um, so we wanted people to be able to, to, you know, relate to the name. It's something for the Southeast and it's really heavily based in science as well. Yeah, is it, he won the Nobel Prize, if I'm correct, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So he, he, he's quite a significant figure, but he's not... He's not one that's maybe uh, in everyone's everyday consciousness. Certainly, on uh, if you were to walk down the streets of you know Waterford or Dungarvan or, or Kilkenny or, or wherever, um, you won't hear people talk about Ernest Walton in the way that they might know who, say, Robert Boyle is. So it's nice uh, to be able to to recognise that fact. Um, was there any issue? About using his name, I mean, did you speak to the family, Kevin? We did, actually. So to go back, I mean, we've, we've been in the process of, of establishing Walton Rob since, was it 2017, Sazi, would you say? Um, and one of the very first things we did was, well, we knew what the, what the entity was going to be, but obviously when we wanted to try to find out the name and we came across Ernest Walton, we got in touch with his family, uh, his sons and daughters, actually. And funny enough, that most of them are in academia as well. Uh, and we reached out to them. We told them what we were planning on doing, that we're making this multidisciplinary scientific research institute and, and that we'd be delighted if they'd okay us to use his name and associate his name with it. And they came back and said they were, they were delighted. And that they see it as an honour for their family, actually, to have an entity like what, like the Walton Institute named after their, their father. So, yeah, very supportive. Great. Now, right, here is, here, here's a provocative question. It's not really provocative, but it's just to put it up to you. And I'm sure I'll throw this back at you, Kevin. What will rebranding as the Walton Institute allow you to do that the current name of TSSG doesn't allow you to do? I, I wouldn't say so much, Rob, that it's changing the name is going to allow us to do something else. It's, it's actually changing the entire operation of the organisation. Currently, TSSG, in its current format, as Sazi already said, we focus, focus very much on kind of enabling ICT technologies and then we apply them into different domains. A key factor of, of Walton is we're going to start embedding more multidisciplinary research. So, for example, bringing in aspects, let's say, from the School of Business in WIT and doing joint projects where they look at our technologies in a, in a completely different way. Uh, to give you an example of that, we have a, you know, a large-scale agriculture project, very, very techy focused but we have then a phd student from the school of business that's a part of that project uh, and she's looking at, at farmers adoption of technologies which is not something us technologists would really look at or consider and it com- brings a completely different perspective to the work that we're doing i, I mean that's just one example sazi has, has plenty of other examples as well so it's going to make us work in a completely different way that's that's on one side the other is, is structurally in the organization, we're also introducing what we call adjunct programs. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, in the past, we've traditionally, we've collaborated with people left, right and center. That's what we do every single day. But now we want to formalize it by, by allowing people to be join Walton as adjuncts. They'll be on our website, they'll be on our media and so on. Uh, and the, the, basically, the deal around that is if somebody joins us as an adjunct, we go and work on joint projects and joint publications, you know, in multiple different types of journals. Um, but also, we will help those people secure funding because securing funding is something that, that we're very good at uh, within the organization. So there's really a win-win situation. So, okay, we're changing the name, but it's not just a rebrand. It's a complete rethink about how the operation of, of the organization is going to work. So it's as much about your kind of collective headspace as anything else. 
just I suppose maybe the fact that TSSG as a name telecommunications is there in the name and you want to move beyond that not ignore it but you want to move beyond that is, is that correct? Uh, yeah, partially and also the, the G in TSSG is, is group I mean we've grown yeah. way beyond the group at this point yeah. like we, we've looked at the, the statistics for the organisation and we've looked at statistics for organisations globally as well and now we feel that the organisation is on, on a more global level in terms of our results like we've secured what is it over 140 million euro in funding to date, for example, you know, we've graduated is it 23 maybe PhD students at this point. We have over nearly 200 top tier publications. So we're, we've, I suppose that with the organization has grown up, yeah. you know, and, and we, we feel that it's time for, for refresh. At this point. Just to get a sense of scale, <clears throat> Kevin, before we go back to Sassy about maybe some concrete research projects, how many staff do you currently have? Uh, we're around 80 at the moment, Rob. And I always say around because I suppose the more and more we engage, particularly with industry uh, in the region on joint projects, you know, quite often those those industrial partners, when the project finishes, they actually hire our staff out of TSSG. Um, and that's a bit of a double-edged sword, right? Because on the one side, it's really, really good because it shows that, that industry engaged with us, they're, they're, they see from the work that we do that our staff are top class and then they take them on board with them. The other side of the sword is we're losing top class staff and we have to refresh the organization as well. But that, that has always been uh, the situation in, in TSSG and, and we manage it quite well. You know, mm. Isn't that a feature of the tech industry, though, in general? You know, the, yeah. uh, I, it's churn of staff where people move from kind of project to project, essentially. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of churn in the industry and, and that's totally understandable. It's just managing it is, is the trick, you know? Yeah, um, of course. I suppose that the, 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 the critical piece for us is like, like when we have staff in, in the organization over multiple years, um, they build up a huge amount of knowledge and expertise. And, and that piece is, is sometimes quite difficult to replace as well, you know? So, Sassy, if I'd like to pick up on, on the kind of transdiscipline, cross-discipline thread that you you dropped <clears throat> so one of the things that i find most interesting about computers and computer science and programming and all of that kind of stuff is it's often not about computers it's often taking something and applying it to something else uh, that's much more interesting whether it's taking a piece of code and applying it to uh, an art installation to produce some generative music or equally taking some very interesting networking and programming technology and applying it to um, milking <laughs> you know so would you be able to first off give us an example of a cross-discipline project that you're currently engaged in and maybe how that works and and, and to try and give somebody an in yeah into what the project is about sure. and where the computing and the other disciplines fit in with each sure, other. Sure, like the, the, one example is is a, it's a recent EU FET project called Prime that, that we're actually coordinators and leaders of. And that project, I, I like the way um, one of the papers actually named it. They call it the living, living brain implant, right? So what we're trying to look here is to develop a next generation brain implant that is not made out of any electronic components at all, which is what you typically think of when you think of brain implants, okay? Like, like say, for example, implants to help people with Parkinson's. You have this big rod 
that goes deep into their brain and is used to, let's say, suppress neurons firing. So what we want to do here is that we want to take cells, engineer them so the cells can do computing and they can also control their communication and then put those little brain cells, encapsulate them into a capsule and stick them into the brain so that they can treat neurodegenerative disease. So that brings two elements in, computing, because we want to engineer the cells to do computing like a normal typical computer and communication, how they can actually communicate with the normal neurons in the brain. So we are ICT researchers at the end of the day. We're not neuroscientists, we're not biologists, but we're bringing these concepts into the biological world to help design new types of implants that we can use for brain machine interface. So, so coming back to your question, the, the, the whole idea of Walton is really to, to change the mindset of people, the mindset of actually taking computing and communication to a whole other level altogether that, that could lead to breakthrough, mm. you know, in the very same way that Kevin mentioned earlier about Ernest Walton and what he did in, in, the, in the splitting the atom is such a breakthrough that now we want to create a research institute that will have top scientists that will have breakthrough research in the back of their mind the whole entire time. So it's a mindset change as well. And with this mindset change comes with all these inter-trans multidisciplinary research to make it really novel. Uh, can we pick up on maybe some more projects? Because there, I mean, you're talking about brain implants. I mean, it does sound like the stuff of a 1970s science fiction movie, you know, uh, but it's 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 incredibly fascinating, and even the way you're talking about it there, it's not brain implants. It's not if somebody has a tinfoil hat on and thinks about it, it's controlling people. You're talking about helping people, and exactly. hope you know it, for making life better for people. You know, you mentioned somebody who has Parkinson's, but I can think of a hundred neurological conditions that somebody might might suffer from, and this might yeah. be a less invasive way of assisting them to live a better life. Yeah. So. Are there other examples? Can you give me another example of, of that cross-discipline project, even if it's something that's a little more abstract um, than maybe just brain implants? Um, just go for it. Yeah, like say, for example, another work we're looking at is developing new types of, let's say, mechanisms for us to model and understand how the human body works, you know, kind of like our digital twin. So we have, let's say, a, 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 a lung that's actually replicated and we put it into the data center or our, our intestine, our gut. And then based on that, we can then accurately model and understand, you know, monitor your health condition. You know, a few months ago, we did a podcast with you, I remember, where we talked about how we can develop new simulation tools to understand how the virus propagates in the lung. So that's an example of that. You know, we have a di digital replication of a lung that sits in a computer in a, in a data center. And then we can understand how the virus actually gets sucked into the lungs, how deep it goes, how the infections could arise from that. That's one example. Another example is right now understanding how, say, digestion process happens. This is part of the Vista Milk SFI Research Center for Smart Agri. So we want to know, like, if I consume milk or you consume milk, how could we... Um, uh, understand what are the ingredients that causes you aller allergies, but it doesn't cause me allergies. You know? So this technology could lead to programmable milk, milk that's tailored for you that is not tailored for me. So everyone can then consume milk. So that's another example, but that's more agri-tech. Mm. But I mean, you've used two, two, two kind of essentially biological or life science 
examples there, which yeah. is quite fascinating because yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. when I worked with TSSG a hundred thousand yeah. years ago, yeah. it was it was it, it was a lot more tech 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 focused. Yeah. It was very much doing stuff yeah. with networks and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Whereas here, you're talking about again could could appear to be science fiction type stuff but it's not science fiction it's yeah, it's yeah. quite quite real you know not everything is like that we do is full-on science fiction and basic research you know we're also doing emerging technologies that's also applied as well so one example work of that is looking at how we can come up with new concepts for monitoring climate change in particular carbon dioxide that that's that results from the way farmers use fertilizer. And now, now, you know, you can actually, there are sensors out there that actually measure carbon dioxide. You can actually place them out on the fields. But what we want to do is lower the cost of farmers purchasing such type of sensors. So we want to know, can a telecommunication base station that is emitting electromagnetic waves, can we use those waves to actually monitor the quantity of carbon dioxide that's being emitted into the air? So this would avoid farmers having to buy sensors and you might be able to have better coverage as well. Yeah, that, I mean that's amazing. If you think about it, uh, even I know I've I a couple of years ago I was up up in the Carrigonore campus where you're physically based. I know you're not physically based there at the moment because of COVID. We're all sitting at home, uh, and one of the one of the lads there, uh, Michael Kugel, had uh, built a small, basically little sensor box out of a Raspberry Pi, which he was using for monitoring mm. beehives. And I, I was blown away by that because yes. well, Raspberry Pi is, what, 35 quid and he's slapping a few sensors on it, which I know are cheap. So let's say it costs less than 100 euros and he's gathering this massive amount of data that is enabling him to better monitor the beehives to ensure mm. that the bees are not put in danger or if there is any danger, there can be an alert and remedial action can be taken beforehand. I know that's a very low level example, but it kind of hits home where technology can be employed in areas that isn't necessarily where the tech isn't the focus. It's just an assistive technology to allow something else to occur. Yeah. Um, Kevin, I know I, I, if we could go back to maybe just you're talking about industrial partners and, and you know, partners who might come along with you on, on the journey. I mean, Sassy has hinted at it. Uh, you're not neuroscientists. Um, uh, equally, you're not farmers if you're dealing with agriculture or food scientists. Um, how important is partnership in the research community? Uh, it's critical, Rob. I'd say nearly, God, I'd say 98% of all projects we do are partnership-based in the organisation. Um everything from the, the fundamental science that, that Sassy is talking about to the European programs funded under Horizon 2020 and soon to be Horizon Europe. It's all about building up you know, consortium partners and collaborating with people that have joint visions in terms of research. But also even when we push out, we also have a, a technology gateway in the organization, which is dedicated to taking all the, the science, let's say from TSSG or Walton and bringing it to industry to actually have, you know, grow the technology base within industry as well. But that, that is all about partnerships. And, you know, a huge amount of that is, is to do with, you know, going out into Europe or going out around Ireland or wherever else it may be and networking with people and convincing them that we, we are the right experts for them to engage with if they're going to do some collaborative work. Mm. So it's, it's a huge part of what we do. And I mean, again, not I don't want you to blow your own trumpet, but ye are very, very successful at being a partner in a project 
uh, I mean, I know you're nodding your head there and we can't hear that uh, on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you, you mentioned there something like what, 140 million euros in funding yeah. in funding yeah. so far. I mean, that's yeah. not to be sniffed at. That's a significant amount of money. Um, and uh, but, but could you maybe explain, like when you talk about technology or, or partners in a project, could you maybe give an example of who those partners might be and how the project might fit together? Oh, yeah. I mean, it really depends on the project, right? So I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm running a project at the moment uh, called Demeter. It's a, an EU-funded uh, smart agriculture project. Um, there's 60 different partners involved in that. I would say about 20 of those would be academic partners, so very much focused on the research side. Um, and maybe another 25 to 30 would be you know, people from the ag tech industry across Europe, like the likes of John Deere, for example. Uh, and then we've also got SMEs and then we've got public agencies, you know, the farmer cooperatives and so on. So within that project, for example, we've got 6,000 farmers with which we can trial our technologies, which is really, really powerful. I mean, again, you know, it's kind of like field of dreams. If we build it, they will come, you know, but like this... And that was maybe an, an approach in the past that, that technology development organizations, not just TSG, would take. They'd build something and then and on the assumption it's going to be used. Whereas the, the projects that we run now, you know, we build in our, our user engagement from the very start. You know, a key buzzword in, in Europe was this multi-actor approach, uh, which we've actually built up an expertise in managing, by the way, in Malton as well, um, where we engage with stakeholders across the spectrum. But right from the very start of a project, you know, we get the requirements, we understand their needs, we, we, we showcase technologies to them, we get their feedback, honest feedback about what we do, and then we tweak the research as we go on based on that. Um, so it's, it's incredibly important for us. Um, yeah, you mentioned the, the, the 140 million, it is a substantial figure. Uh, we were looking at it recently, we've actually been involved in projects uh, worth a total of about half a billion uh, at this point. Now that's the total project value, and. and is a subset of that. Yeah. Um, also, it's, it's really important to note that within Horizon 2020, which is just coming to a close, um, TSG has actually secured more ICT research funding in Horizon 2020 than all the other institutes of technology combined, uh, which is a substantial result uh, as well and something we're, we're, we're very, very proud of. Yeah. Let's say I was somebody working in a local SME Okay, small company. I mean, there's no point talking about the, the huge, big multinationals because they have their own thing going on, although they are very important as well. I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss them. But let's say I'm somebody working for an SME somewhere in, you know, County Waterford or County Wexford or somewhere in the region. And I'm listening to this and I'm going, sure, so what? This has nothing to do with me. Can you convince me otherwise, Kevin? I can, yeah. There's, there's multiple ways for, for multiple organizations to engage with us. Uh, and just to, point, just to point out, you're saying, never mind the multinationals because they have their own research. The multinationals come to us as well, Rob, and, and they ask us directly for them. But for the... <coughs> oh, I'm well aware of that. Well, sorry, what, it, what I meant by that was the multinationals, if I'm working for a multinational, I'm already clued into that kind of process but if I'm working for a small company a small company could have 200 employees by the way um, but I might not be 
in that research space yeah. or in that uh, have that idea about how something might work so I, I know what you mean and, and it's a fair point sorry now I interrupted you Kevin no you're fine, you're fine. I mean there's multiple ways um, uh, smaller companies can engage with us right I, I, I'll start maybe at the, at the far end of things which is with our technology gateway as I said the, the gateway is about taking the ICT expertise that we have and bringing it out to companies so a company can apply to um, for example Enterprise Ireland and they can get what's called an innovation voucher um, basically, an innovation voucher is quite a simple application. It, it gives them €5,000 to spend with any, any academic organization to get some research done. And that research could be something as, um, you know, I, I want to get my, my technology into the cloud. Or it could be I need a wireframe for an app that I want to build so I can, I can become mobile with, with my services. Uh, it could be to investigate payment systems. It could be to look at software architectures that they might want to deploy. Anything remotely ICT related that a company, small, no matter what the size, wants to look at, they can use, for example, the innovation voucher scheme to actually get a bit of work done with TSSG um, and Walton. And I keep calling it TSSG. I have to get used to calling it Walton, but it's not March 24th yet, so we're okay. But um, there's, there's multiple other schemes. For example, we can bring partners or companies into these large European programs. And to be honest, a lot of organizations think, I'm not going near those. They're so bureaucratic and, and so tough to get across the line. And, and as I said already, I mean, we have built up an expertise in winning EU funding. And anytime we put in a proposal into Europe, we always try and bring Irish industry on board of any size with us as well. Uh, so for an organization to get involved, they can contact me, they can contact SASI, they can see the research we're doing, they can actually see what are the areas we're targeting uh, for proposals at any particular point in time. And then we can work with them to see is there a fit in one of our EU programs or would, there, would they be better suited to an Enterprise Ireland program? There's, there's also um, schemes that are, are quite popular now in Europe called, um, well, they're called three things, they're either called open calls, they're called support for third parties, or they're called cascade funding. Uh, and this is something I think Ireland and Irish SMEs is not leveraging uh, enough. And, and we're, we're really trying to push hard on this. So basically what Cascade funding is, let's say I win a project like my, my Demeter project. So it's a 15 million euro project. Within that, um, we have reserved 1 million euro in budget so that we can actually offer our own mini calls for projects to SMEs uh, around Europe. Those projects could be anything from, say, 30K up to even 250K. It's a very simple application process, very short duration projects, six to nine months. But it would actually give small companies the capability to hire in uh, a researcher uh, for a year or two based on that type of funding to do something, to look at some area of their, their business that's maybe not on their critical path, but something that they want to get into in the future. So we have multiple, multiple opportunities for, for companies to engage with us. And very often, oh, I mean, Pre, I hate having to talk about pre-COVID, it's, it's kind of a cliche at this stage, but people would come in and they, they like kicking the tires, they like coming in, we, we spend a morning with them, we have an ideas room in, in Carriganore, it's just a room full of whiteboards and chairs, where we brainstorm with companies to go, you know, we're trying to really figure out where their, their technology pain points are, and then we match that to the type of projects and type of funding that the organization could get. Mm. So we multiple, multiple routes into the organization. So what you're saying there is that it can be something that's as short term as I need to get 
my business into the cloud, right, for whatever it is. Okay, it could be very short term, and, yeah. and I need to do it in six months, and I can use an innovation voucher to. To, to to get myself started on that path even though I may not uh, my company may not have that expertise in house we can talk to the likes of you who can help us out or it can be something that's a more longer term strategic positioning where I don't know where this is going yet but I want to learn a bit more about it and it may be of benefit to my business it may not be of benefit to my business but at least at the end of a year two years or however long a, a call might be I'll be in a much more informed position. So it's it's short term and long term thinking and everything in between for for, for business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and now that we're bringing the multidisciplinary element into it, it's not only about developing the technologies, but they can actually verify it with real people yeah. as well, uh, which is really really important. You know? Sassy, well, go back to yourself, and uh, I know Kevin is on the line here, and you don't want to say anything bad about him, right? I can leave, but. <laughs> You're, you, you, but you have you have the title of co-directors, okay? So, why does the New Walton Institute have two directors? Why is there not uh, like a, a CEO and a CTO, or 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 you know some other title, a director and a subdirector, yeah. or whatever you want to call it? Why why do you have two directors? So so um, let's go back to this vision that we have of making ICT become multidisciplinary that basically needs to cover all the way from hardcore basic research to how we can actually apply this applied research and then commercialize it. You yourself said, you know, how can what we're doing benefit SMEs going forward into the future? You know? And for that reason, both our skills complement really well to make that vision happen. You know, I myself, I'm looking towards the basic applied and Kevin is looking from the applied to commercialization. So through this whole, that through us working together, we can then allow that workflow to happen from these crazy ideas, science fiction ideas that you mentioned, to how we can then, uh, companies can actually take that on. So when, when I joined in, when I came back in 2017, because I was in Finland, I took a break from TSSG for five years. I went to Finland, I came back in 2017. And I, I, then at that time, I was running the TSSG together with Kevin. And we tried out this multidisciplinary research route. We went together, we worked out a plan and we developed it. And we found that we, it was very, very successful. We started to create a really nice name for the institute and for the center. So we, so we worked really, really well together. You know, I appreciate the, all the support I've had from Kevin over the years. And then with that, when we thought, let, let's move it to the next step then, create a research institute, make it really big, create a massive impact for the region. And in particular for the TU that will be happening soon. There was Kevin has hinted at the social elements, and when I, I mean the the real social, not social media, but you know somebody coming in to kick the tires or to get people in a room, okay. And I, that's one thing that has always struck me about research from when I was involved a hundred thousand years ago was there was more work done outside of working hours than during working hours. Or sorry, not not more work, but possibly more valuable work. And the valuable work might be, do you know what, let's just go and have a cup of tea or have a beer or have, let's have a sandwich and we're having lunch. And often in those more casual settings, interesting ideas are explored and sometimes conclusions are formed, sometimes mm -hmm. they're not. It doesn't matter. But but there there is that intangible factor about sociability. And ye as TSSG and subsequently as Walton Institute, when the official rebranding happens, 
Um, again, I'm not trying to blow your own trumpet or getting you to blow your own trumpet, Sassy, but you guys have a very, very, very good reputation for that. Why do you think that is? I think, like, you know, we, we have very, very clever people. That's number one. Historically, for the last 20 years, we were very, very lucky from that perspective, right? Like yourself, Rob, you used to be with us as well, you know. So now, but what was actually very good is that the, the, the really great people that we have, they're able to actually switch their skills and their mindset from project to project. It's not easy to do that, you know. When you really think about it, if you work in a multinational, if you be an insurance company or let's say IBM, it's highly likely you stick with that topic for 5, 10, 15 years. In TSG, we're always rotating projects the whole entire time. One minute, someone might be working on ICT for Agri, then we might bring another project to focus on ICT on health. They might have an interest in that and they must be able to switch very quickly. You know? So our ability to actually stay very focused with emerging technologies ICT, and you know ICT changes very, very fast. Technologies change very fast. It's such a very competitive area. You know? And the fact that we're able to stay very close and evolve our, our vision and our research capabilities you know, is because of the people that we have. And that's why we have a really, really very good reputation. Mm. One thing that's always struck me about staff in TSSG um, or, or subsequent to the Walton Institute or people up there just in general is how curious you are. And I, again, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your arses now or, or, or plumosi, but anytime I go up there, no matter who I'm talking to, I always have an interesting conversation about something. It could be about football but, or it could be about, I, I, there's a staff member up there, uh, John Ronan, he's been there, I think he's been there from the very beginning uh, and we had a great chat there a while ago uh, about diesel generators um, and it was to do with uh, power generation during the, the storms of a couple of years ago and I was just I did not expect to have that conversation uh, but any time I go up there there seems to be something happening which I've always found mm. fascinating um, and I wonder is that one of the reasons why you're able to translate so well to the various European funding bodies because you are all quite sociable and quite curious people, so you'll talk to them. Yeah, that's true. And in particular, we have a very, very good crew, these 80 people that Kevin mentioned, who are people who love to bounce ideas off each other as well. You know? And that helps a lot. You know? And we encourage that as well. And it's not just, we have a combination of PhD students, postdocs, research engineers. We have a very, very nice mix, you know, to cover this basic mm -hmm. applied commercialization research. And the fact that they can all talk to each other, develop all these new ideas, go to work on different proposals, I think that also makes it really successful in our funding applications as well. I, I, would, say, I would say also, just to add to that a little bit, that, that it's part of our ethos, this creativity and excellence in research that we have. But it's really, really driven, I think, by the, the freedom we give people to look into whatever research topic or area that they want to. As long as we can tie it to let's say a project that it secures funding and is broadly aligned with the th themes of Walton, people can go and research whatever they want. I mean, you, you don't get that freedom as much, let's say, in, in a larger industrial organization. You know, it's very much, this is what we're doing. So th that freedom, I think, generates curiosity as well. Rob. Mm. I mean, there is a wealth of projects going uh, up there. And again, you could go and view the website and, and have a read through them yourselves. If we started talking about them, we'd be here, you know, till kingdom come. Um, right. So, Sassy, again, I'm just going to go back to you now for a question about, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm a student in WIT. Let's say I'm studying computing in WIT and I'm listening to this conversation. 
and I'm kind of thinking, okay, that kind of sounds interesting. I might like to explore opportunities up there. What are you looking for in a hire, whether it's somebody to be a postgraduate student or mm. equally if you're just looking for somebody to come on and work as a programmer or whatever? What are you looking for? What are the key skills? Number one really is creativity. You know, we, we want very creative people. You know, it's only through creativity that we can make these trans, multi, interdisciplinary research work. You know, people who are very curious, want to understand how to solve problems in a very complex, with a different mindset that you, you, you typically, typically have, you know, especially someone who'd like to really develop and curious about breakthrough research, want to really create breakthrough outputs, you know. Definitely, these are the people that we'd really, really be interested in having in, in, in Walton Institute. Kevin, is there anything in particular that you look for? Um, well, you know, I mean, I fully agree with what Sazi's saying there. But we also, you know, I suppose highly qualified graduates is always really good that they've got a very strong capability. Because again, you have to consider that, that we do research and development across the spectrum from fundamental science through to commercialization. So, you know, we, we need expertise all along that continuum. Basically, we need really good software developers, for example. We need really good uh, graphic designers. We need really good uh, artificial intelligence people that can implement new types of algorithms. It's, it's really quite broad. Um, but again, that's what gives us a really good mix in the organization. And, and, and also, what I can say is it, it also makes, you know, Walton staff highly employable as well. Like we've had... As I've said, you know, churn is always a thing. But you learn so much in the organization. As he said, you're, you're, you're tinkering with different types of technologies and developing different types of technologies from one day to the next. You learn a vast amount from doing that. So it, it kind of cuts both ways as well. Um, we all, I also think it's really important to have people that are very much self-motivated. I mean, we're 100% soft-funded in the organization. We don't get baseline funding and mm. so on. So, you know... Every person employed in, in Walton, somebody has to write a proposal to secure funding and, and to secure those jobs, which is a constant, constant um, thing that we do in the organization. Um, but you need people with a drive to go out and go, oh, look, there's a good opportunity there for funding or for research or for a publication or for whatever else it may be. And they, we very much need, I suppose, self-starters in that regard. So the... TSG, you're rebranding as the Walton Institute at the end of the month. Um, wh when, when does that officially happen, Kevin? Uh, the 24th of March. 24th of March. Okay. And uh, right, so, so does, does the TSG as an entity cease to exist? It does. And it's just replaced by Walton Institute. Yeah. So let's say right now, I mean, I, we're recording this before the 25th of March. Somebody might be listening to it after the 25th of March. But if somebody wanted to find out more information about the institute, about what you're at, where should they go? Well, you can go right now to the TSG website and it'll, it'll point you to the Walton website. Uh, obviously, we launch our new website and everything on, on the 24th as well. Um, while, while we transition, you know, from TSG to Walton, even the simple things like our email addresses, our existing TSG email addresses and infrastructure will stay in place for a reasonably long period of time. So if you email us at TSG, for example, it's going to go straight through to our Walton and so on. Also, will be linked straight off of course off the WIT uh, website. Sassy, if I can ask you to put on your future specs and uh, peer five years down the road, mm. what would your hope be 
for the Walton Institute? I, I would, let's say in five years time, I really hope that we can really create impactful research that the SMEs you spoke about, Rob, would take them on and that will create brand new companies coming out of Waterford. You know? um, that is my, my, my hope. And also some fancy breakthrough research that's very multidisciplinary. I'm hoping that we'll be able to have really nice results, publications, and maybe spin-off companies. But but I also want to touch on one thing about this multinationals, because you spoke about that earlier, right? See, we, we see that as very, very important mm-hmm. as well, because you say multinationals, they do their own research. And their work. That's true. But they're always also looking out for new breakthrough, cutting-edge technologies and research as well, you know? And you'd find a lot of these multinationals will always create labs in front of you know, universities that are known to produce breakthroughs. You know, like example is Microsoft Research at Cambridge or IBM Zurich in, in front of ETH in, in, in Switzerland. So we hope that, let's say, in five to 10 years' time, that we can create such breakthrough research that we'll have these multinationals coming in and opening up in offices in Waterford. And that will create new employment as well within the region as well. And we'd be known as this research institute that creates such breakthrough research attracting all these large multinationals to come to, to the city. Right, one final question. And it's 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 a nettle, so you can grasp it whatever way you want, right? So there's lots of talk about university, TU, you know, technological university in the Southeast and what have you. Where do you both see this fitting into the uh, the equation? So we're the Walton Institute, you're going ahead anyway, like you exist. Technological University, we're not sure what the story is with that yet. And there's a lot of balls up in the air that are still being juggled. So, you know, maybe, maybe Sassy, we'll go to yourself first and then we we'll go to Kevin. So where do you see the Walton Institute fitting in to this larger jigsaw? See, if you look, Rob, at all major universities, not only, not only in Ireland, but throughout the whole entire world, right? research is a massive, massive component. You'd find there's a lot of research institutes in a lot of major universities, okay, doing cutting-edge new research, right? But you then see that from that, the connection to the universities, using this research to then develop new course, new knowledge, to train their undergraduate students, you know? So that's, a, that's where I see us playing a major role in how we fit into the TU, that we will be producers of not only cutting-edge research, but new knowledge, new courses to attract future undergrads as well within the region. And Kevin, same question to you. Yeah, I, I, I'd say a few things. I, I mean, you, you mentioned there, Rob, that there's, there's some degree of uncertainty about the technological university. And I suppose... To the outside world, they don't see the vast, and I mean vast, amount of work that's ongoing at the moment to, to, to be able to bring the two organizations together. Like there's hundreds of people working on this in, across Carlo and Waterford. Um, so Sazi and I are heavily, heavily involved in uh, some of the working groups looking at around research and innovation. And what would the TUSE look like in the future? Is it a research-driven organization or what's it going to be? Um, we very much see and, and, and want Walton to be seen as the model for how to do research within the technological university. I mean, we, we've shown over the history of TSSG and now Walton that the model that we have in place actually works. It's a difficult model to balance. You know, it's not all easy going in terms of our basic applies and, and, and commercial research. But we have it down and we have it working now and, and kind of all sides of the organization at the moment are, are, are rising quite high. Everything from, you know, publications to 
um, you know, our, our work through the Technology Gateway and our EU funding, everything is lifting in the organization because of the, the structure and, and, and processes that we put in place around that. So it's not that we want to tell everybody else how to do it, but we firmly, genuinely believe that, that what we've done in Walton is the model for how any research institute should work within the technological university. And we want to be the cornerstone of that, you know. Excellent. If you want to find out more about the Walton Institute, you can, I suppose, just do a Google for it. In the meantime, you can go to tssg.org. Even when that website is replaced, it will point you to the new Institute website. Or you can go to wit.ie. I'm sure there'll be uh, various links associated off that. I suppose to summarise the conversation, kind of what I'm hearing is, look, this is a good thing. And if you're a student, it doesn't matter whether you're a computing student or if you're studying health promotion or visual art or, um, you know, electronic engineering or horticulture, it doesn't matter, or business marketing, there may be something here for you if if this kind of stuff floats your boat and if you're interested in a, a, a curious career, shall we say. Uh, if, you're, if you're in local industry, there's a nexus of expertise here that might be of direct benefit to you or equally might be of indirect benefit to you in your wider industry and and looking forward rather than just looking at the here and now. And then from an educational point of view, uh, from my point of view, what I'm hearing, and this is something I've often thought about, is that we should perhaps be pushing, instead of pushing, you know, promoting come and do a degree, let's promote a a kind of a, a, a degree plus postgraduate possibly even career route that, you know, you can come here and you can, yeah, you can do your degree, but if you want it, then you can go on and do a master's or a PhD or, or everything else beyond that. Um, and it's not that you're necessarily tied to a geographical place because uh, anyone who's worked in, in TSG up to now does a significant amount of travel. Uh, so it's, it, it is an international organization, but it does have its roots here. Would, would that be a fair summary, do you think, Sassy? Yeah, definitely. I think that, that that is really very, very spot on, you know, because you'd see in major universities, that's the track people would also have for, for a lot of their undergraduate students, you know, for people who are interested in, to do, let's say, research in their future careers. Mm. Kevin, I think we're going to have to pick this conversation up again um, at, a, at a later date because there's so much that we didn't talk about. And I'd love to get into, into more detail about some of, of the actual individual projects and some of the tech that is involved in it, just purely from this project. Now, I know we're going to do one on um, augmented reality and, and virtual reality in a, in a little while, which I'm very much looking forward to because I think that kind of stuff is all cool and I'm a big, big nerd. Uh, but again, I'd love to pick this conversation up a few months down the road after the switchover has happened and maybe talk about some of the projects that are in the pipeline um, and, and, and try and bring it, bring it back again. Uh, I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of gold here to be mined. There's, there's a lot of stuff, Rob, because I mean, even, and we didn't touch on them and I know we won't go into it now, but even, mm. even the new like test facilities that we're, we're putting in place in, in the Arc Lab Centre in Carganore, you know, we've got satellite comms, we've got an AR and VR lab, we're, we're building an e-textiles lab at the moment and so on. There's a huge amount of stuff there that actually industry can leverage as well and researchers can leverage. So, it probably warrants another conversation for sure. Oh, absolutely. Several conversations. Uh, <clears throat> and Touchwood will be able to do the next one or, or in the not too distant future, we'll be able to do it in person and we can get that cup of tea beforehand as well and even a biscuit as well. It'd be lovely. 
Right. Gents, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Best of luck with the rebranding uh, to the Walton Institute. Um, just do your Google searches. You'll find all the information is there on the web. Uh, the the current TSSG and subsequent Walton Institute is not very difficult to find. Uh, we wish you all the best and talk to you soon. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Rob.